some time ago i got disenchanted by experience of dealing with a bank in the nordics this is about 2018 so take the story with a little bit of hindsight it took me about a month to open my bank account and a few more weeks to get my debit card just like anyone else who has lived through the 90s and the 2000s i told myself this is how banks are but i was wrong a debit card i thought that would probably be the last thing anyone would think about sharing online after all why would anyone feel inspired by or proud of something so uninspiring as a debit card i observed some twitter users sharing pictures of these shiny colorful debit cards so i wanted to investigate what was going on here and what i found was quite revealing and a learning experience as well it also was symptomatic of what is going on in the banking industry as a whole particularly in the west uh, and how customer behavior is undergoing a metamorphosis of sorts as time rolls by and as new digital challenger banks or so they are called are disrupting the market one of these banks is called revolut revolut is one of the new breed of branchless mobile only banks that is becoming a rage in europe as well and as in other markets so i downloaded the revolut app and since then i happy to report i've used this card in so many different countries around europe and even back in my home country of india for physical as well as online transactions across categories like e-commerce retail travel hospitality etc without ever worrying about how much extra i would have to pay every time i make a foreign transaction so why are users posting these debit card pictures that's the subject of my podcast today the answer lies in changing how one looks at the banking problem from a customer lens versus a non customer bank lens but before i go there it would be wise to attempt to first understand the nature of traditional industries such as banking so what are banks banks have always been a sellers market meaning that the supply of banking services remains or remained confined to a few institutions a tightly coupled system of mediation composed of various middlemen formed the banking value chain where every mediator developed a certain specialization with passage of time incentive regimes emerged to sustain this value chain notwithstanding government regulation which made entry even harder crowding out any interest from new entrants think about a savings account pre 2010 what do you recall possibly nothing 
banks and likewise retailers etc were never good at providing a memorable customer experience they didn't need to after all there were a few of them anyway so customers really didn't have a choice and because barrier to entries were so so high it also made sense for banks to commit to long term investments in technology branches etc over a long time horizon which raised entry barriers even more and locked the design of a banking value chain but post 2007 and 8 which is largely known for a few events such as the subprime crisis and subsequently the launch of the iphone followed by a infamous hacking attempt on the iphone by jay freeman it convinced apple of the app store concept giving rise to the app economy we all take for granted now that set in motion the next generation of service providers who totally reimagined or disintermediated traditional value chains such as banking with concepts such as mobile only banks this led to what cb insights calls quote unbundling of the traditional business unquote think about barriers to entry now with such explosion of competition and rapid digital adoption cost of technology plummeted distribution of software services became affordable and barriers lowered because they were no more controlled by incumbents who relied on their traditional bank branch network newer companies paved the modernization path for the industry and incumbents were forced to play catch up to retain their loyal base that was because the newer companies had a marginal cost structure they operated on the cloud and their cost to serve customers were next to zero because the distribution of their services happened through the mobile phone and through the app stores and they were able to scale and use word of mouth by providing exceptional customer experience and were able to retain and acquire a large swath of existing customers to an incumbent bank in no time in all this the end customers won look at me i just moved to revolut So with that backdrop of how banks operate let's look at what is this new way of looking at product services what did revolut and monzo starling atom n26 all these mobile only challenger banks what do they really do why are they getting popular now let's look at how a traditional company works or a bank in this case So you typically have a traditional business where you have products or services that have been historically defined by incumbents based on market research and customer segmentation. These products have been launched or relaunched from time to time. But fundamentally, 
remain old wine in a new bottle. Furthermore, fixed costs account for a lot of investments in technology over a period of time to support and power these products. With eroding customer base erodes economies of scale as unit costs rise. The end customer experiences varying levels of customer satisfaction depending on which department of this traditional bank he or she interacts with. For example, the ad about a product X is great but the actual customer support is horrendous. Isn't that an experience all of you have come across in the past? Now that's because different departments in a matrix or siloed organization understand the same customer differently and also have different KPIs uh, to support that customer experience. Worse, they don't use the same data to understand the customer the same way. And that is why an ad looks an appealing prospect as opposed to a customer service for that product that you've purchased by looking at that ad. Organizational inertia, decision fatigue and inward thinking meant that developing new methods to develop new products and services is typically met with a lot of resistance. It's why McKinsey talks a lot about creating an oasis of new culture first, which should then be scaled over time as acceptance improves. The prevailing organization design means silos seldom have a seamless flow of information about the end customer amongst themselves to create one understanding of the end customer. As a result, products are old while customer experience is forgettable. Now, this is my bank, your bank and possibly a lot of other banks or products or services companies we've all consumed in the past. Now, what is the customer-centric approach? And that is what brings me to Revolut. Now, customer-centric approach starts with building a common understanding of the needs of the customer derived using empathy. For example, a 28-year-old single male who likes to go out on Fridays with friends is a gold mine to understand and empathize with the situation of that customer at a given time as opposed to looking at a data set of millennials who are in the age group of 28 to 35 years old and trying to derive what possible likings dislikings that customer may have developing a value proposition using empathy is very popular and Systems such as design thinking, jobs to be done, which I covered in another podcast episode, are, are, are the de facto standard. Now, translating that understanding into a consistent service experience at all stages of the customer interaction with your product or service is one of the most powerful ways that these banks, the new banks have used to get new customers. And finally, building a digital backbone to realize this experience that has been understood on behalf of the customer by these banks. 
Now that's the customer centric approach. What are the benefits? Well, Revolut has acquired close to 10 million customers in about 3 or 4 years of its existence. It's over a billion dollars in valuation. It was just 300 million about 18 months ago. And it has acquired more customers in its lifetime than a traditional bank would do in its whole life of 5 or 6 decades. Now, typically companies who take such an approach of organizing themselves around the customer end up transforming and in some cases upgrading their business models and capabilities since they begin to only invest in those technologies that keep them customer centric this is what happened to revolute Revolute focused on reimagining the most obvious and most ignored parts of the banking experience and they completely flipped the whole banking paradigm around. So what have they done? Well, they started with reimagining and simplifying the know your customer or the KYC when you onboard a customer to a few minutes. Completely flipped it on its head. Second, they offered a service based proposition that a bank based unbundling products and services into a subscription model they brought core banking instant insurance bitcoin transactions loans wealth products etc under one app under one subscription their cost of acquisition as a result is possibly nothing and social media is so abuzz with their loyal customer base some of them actually become employees of the bank in new countries where they want to expand and word of mouth actually ensures marketing costs to be almost zero and i am one of them i am a loyal customer So what is the lesson for all of us from this? First, starting with one problem, solving it well is key. Marrying it with the understanding of the customer is invaluable. Second, looking for most obvious, most ignored problems. Going behind the scenes shadowing the customer or mystery shopping the customer to understand the behavior of that customer from the existing service experience is very important to identify the most obvious and most ignored problems third applying design thinking google design sprints and all of these new product development paradigms to create a quick zero investment concept test it out can allow you to receive a quick validation from your end customer before you start to put actual money behind the product now this has been talked for a very long time and i have written extensively about it on forbes and even spoken about this on my podcast i'm not the first one who's talking about all these things but it is such an important point in 
business today especially when most traditional businesses are trying to go digital first they have to get rid of all the legacy and the cost structures in which they are tied and that is very important to incorporate such a system of quick validation of the product or the feature in order to save that last dollar that you want to invest in the upcoming product and finally cost benefits should be bigger than investing in your ego one of the most important things for any traditional company is to first take a step back and at the board level ask one question how can we pivot what does it take for us to pivot and that's a very loaded question because it's very difficult for a traditional big bank or a big corporation to suddenly pivot and so that's the first question that really needs to have a solution and a long term commitment at the board and an executive level and so ego has to be put aside and having an open mind is key to adopting these new ways of working and then scaling them over a period of time as i said in a previous video i did for forbes digital transformation is not about simply doing a technology intervention or acquiring a new set of customers it's also important to scale culture this new way of doing things as much as it is important to do and scale the digital transformation ultimately your end customers will not wait for your business to be customer centric they will not i did not they will simply move to the next best service provider so the key is to start thinking about collaboration and start adopting customer first methods because if you don't someone similar to revolut will thank you for listening to this episode of spotter spotter is a podcast on all things digital and explores the difficulties and challenges and some of the lessons we can draw from looking at stories of digital enterprises tell me what you think about it in the comments or in your reviews subscribe to the podcast do tell me what else i could do for you and what other conversations we could have the podcast is doing very well it's already climbed up the charts it's a, now in india about 114 the last time i checked and i want to thank everyone who's listening to this podcast wherever they are it's also growing in some of the nordic markets so thank you to my nordic listeners you can reach out to me on linkedin and i hope to see you again thank you very much for listening <laughs>